Good evening and welcome to our evening service. Good to see you folks here this evening as we come together to uh, worship the Lord. And I see Richard there this morning. I, I'd missed you uh, coming in, Richard, and I say it's nice to see you back, Richard. Your wife was there this, with you this morning. Okay, you can tell her that glad, we're glad to see her as well. Okay. Welcome to those folks on Zoom as well. It's just good for us to be able to come worship the Lord together. If you're visiting tonight, uh, there are pew cards for you to just put your name on so we have a record of your being here. Before we go on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you again for this day that you have made for us. Already, O oh Lord, we've been privileged to gather together to hear the word of God this morning. And throughout the day, Lord, you've given us opportunities to share the word of God with others. O oh Lord, as we come tonight, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. Thankful for Ray being able to be here, Lord, to share what the Lord has done in his life. Lord, just prepare our hearts. Be with those who are on Zoom. Some cannot be with us. Lord, either for sickness or unable to leave the house, be their strength and comfort, we pray. But again, we ask that you would bless our time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we're glad to have Ray with us this evening, and uh, Ray Reese, for those who don't know Ray. And we're going to ask Ray to come now and uh, lead us in prayer and uh, read scripture, I believe, if you have that now or for later, that's fine. But lead us in prayer. Scripture reading. Scripture reading is 1 Kings 19, 11, and 12. This is a passage that I, um, that I read early in my lifetime and one of my favorite passages. So. And the Lord said, Go and stand on the mountain before the Lord. A little background here. Um, Moses had asked the Lord to see his glory. So the Lord said, Go and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind split the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake came, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire came, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, still, small voice. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come to you now as your little children to acknowledge you, to praise you. We need your help, Lord, every day. So we ask now that you hear us this evening, that you hear us and that you help us to, uh, to lift up Jesus with our words and to glorify you with our lives. Uh, write your words in our hearts, Lord, and make us men and women who understand your truth. Teach us, Lord, what we don't know. Give us what we need. Make us what we are not. 
Remind us, Lord, always to cast all our anxieties upon you because you care for us. Bless us now and watch over us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, brother, it's your turn. <laughs> you like that, eh? Well, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> Good evening. First off, I'd like to thank everyone who has made the effort to be here tonight. I appreciate it. Your presence is encouraging to me and to your brothers and sisters who are also here. So thank you. Uh, I'll say a little prayer now. Lord, help me to deliver this message tonight. I hope and I pray that at least one person here will benefit from something I say. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been on this earth for 68 plus years. And let me tell you, it's been quite the ride. <laughs> okay? <clears throat> now, I'll start with this. The Bible tells us that believers are chosen by God. Right? There are many scriptures confirming this, but let me just quote a couple. Ephesians 1 and 4. Accordingly, he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. We've been chosen. John 15, 19. But I have chosen you out of the world. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation. The Bible also tells us that believers are called by God. Again, there are many such verses, but I'll just quote a portion of some of them here. Romans 1.7 Beloved of God, called to be saints. Romans 9.24 Whom he has called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. 1 Peter 2.9 Show forth the praises of him who has called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. In John 6.44 No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me calls him. All right, I made my point. Believers are first chosen by God and then called by him at some time in their lives. Now, I'm a believer that has been chosen. I don't know why God chose me or how he did it, but I know that he did. There's something else I know as well. I know why and how God called me. The why is simple. He called me because he loves me. And he calls you because he loves you. The how is a little, little bit more detailed. And that's what I'm going to share with you today. How God called me. Now, remember the reading that we had earlier? That still, small voice? Well, I've been hearing that voice all my life. From as long as I can remember... I've been hearing that voice. 
But to hear it, I have to be alone. I have to be very still. And I have to listen very hard. Some of you may know what I'm talking about because you may hear it too. Not with your ears, but with your mind, with your spirit. It's there. It's always there. Let me give you a little bit of history of my life. I was born in Sudbury in 1955 to a French Catholic family of six children. I'm number five. It was a dysfunctional family. Uh, no clear direction, lots of confusion. I grew up Catholic, so I did my first communion at the age of seven, followed by my confirmation a little later. My father was a heavy drinker and stayed away a lot. Eventually, my, my mother followed in his footsteps. We children were often alone at home or sitting and waiting in a car for hours in a parking lot while my parents were drinking in a hotel. As far as family life in the home went, my recollection of it is that it was a nightmare. Drunken parties, loud music, spilt alcohol, bottles and cigarette ashes everywhere every weekend. No sleep all weekend and then school on Mondays. I think everyone here has a pretty good idea of the depravity associated with this type of living, so I won't elaborate there. Home life became progressively worse with time, and at 17, I was able to escape for good, having made partial breaks earlier. Now, please don't get me wrong here. I loved both my father and my dear mother. And I thank God that I respected them both to the end. I was with each of them in their last hours, mourning for both and doing my best to comfort them. Let me say this, a little bit of preaching here. Please don't ever disrespect your parents. No matter what the situation is, love them. Try to understand them. Leave the home if you must, and if you are able to, but don't disrespect your parents, please. Life is hard for everybody. Oftentimes, we don't know what our parents have been through or the problems they are dealing with. Could be mental illness could be some form of abuse in their childhood, could be both or more, we don't know. So do your best to respect them, to love them, even if it's hard, even if it requires an effort. Because later on in life, in life, you'll be grateful that you did. And if you have shown them disrespect in the past, ask for forgiveness. All right. Now let me tell you about my connection to God during these first years of my life. Let me make this perfectly clear. There was never a time in my life that I didn't know that God existed. And for that, I am grateful to my parents, the Catholic Church, and the nuns that taught me in the Catholic school that I attended. 
God seems to have always been with me throughout those troubling childhood years, comforting me, getting me through the tough times, walking with me daily. Even at a young age, I felt a closer connection to God than to my earthly family. I've talked to people in the past, and they've told me similar things, so it's not a, a unique thing. Perhaps that's a survival technique, I don't know, but I will be forever grateful for, to God for being there with me. He was my father, and I wanted to really know him. I really did. I remember a time when I was around 13. A group of classmates were meeting for religious studies on a Friday evening, on Friday evenings in the basement of the Catholic Church in my neighborhood. I wanted so badly to meet with them, but I wasn't part of their clique. Wrong side of the tracks, perhaps, I don't know, I can't remember. But to this day, I still look back at that time with sadness and regret that I was not included. I think about that time often. I just think, Wish I would have been there. I wanted to be there so badly. Anyways, I was hearing God's still small voice at that time, and I wanted to be closer to Him. But all the doors leading to Him seemed to be closed to me. Throughout this time, though, though connected to God, I knew nothing of Jesus, except that maybe, except that He was Mary's little baby. What happened? Well, in time and inevitably, I ended up with the wrong crowd, right? I ended up with those that were growing up like me in dysfunctional, abusive homes. I call it the streets because that's where we spent most of our time. And so I drifted away from God and I stopped listening to that still small voice. The street noises got louder, and my allegiance and dependence on God shifted to an allegiance and dependence on my street buddies. I went out, and I experienced the world for what the world is. The alcohol, the drugs, and the depravity that's associated with those habits. I basically followed in my parents' footsteps. And you know other way. For about a 10-year period, I silenced the voice of God. But God didn't leave me. I know that for a fact. In this quagmire of wickedness that I was in, God restrained me. Here's how he did it. And this is why I know. My friends were doing hard drugs. They were sniffing nail polish remover, and they were injecting speed and other chemicals in their veins. I was with them when they did this, but God held me back. God restrained me. I did not participate in these things. My friends were committing criminal activities to support themselves and their habits, but again, God held me back. He restrained me. I did not participate in these things either. Don't get me wrong, I was no angel. But God restrained me. And today I'm exceedingly grateful for that. I thank him every day. 
1977, at the age of 21, I moved to Calgary, Alberta. And I continued my descent into hell there. Then around 1981, God started calling me back to him. I started hearing that still, small voice again. But it was smothered. I was in too deep. Couldn't get out. Let me give you a, 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 a picture of how I felt. Because I remember it so well. I thought about it so often. It was in my mind always. For years, I felt like I was in a deep, dark ocean, struggling, treading water, treading water. And I was so tired. I could see this big boat full of happy people, but nobody paid any attention to me. Nobody even looked at me. I wanted so badly to get in that boat so I could rest and be comforted. They all looked so happy there, and I was so miserable. But nobody could get me in, and I couldn't get in on my own. So I kept treading water, slowly drifting away, and again, I was so tired. That's how I felt for years. I didn't feel comfortable in the life that I was in. I wanted to be in that boat. Now, I can see it better. I can see what happened, because I can look back, and I can see how things worked out. I know this is what happened. God had compassion on me. I can look back now and I can see what happened. At least what happened according to my mind's pictures, according to my interpretation of it. This is how I see it. God sent Jesus to my rescue. Okay? Jesus appeared on the boat. I can see him there. I can see him there. And he looked at me. He gave me a look. It reminds me of the look that Jesus gave to Peter after Peter had denied him three times. Jesus looked at him. Well, Jesus gave me that same look. That's this picture that I see often. It was a look of love and compassion and understanding. And I was ashamed. there was that look <clears throat> and then he started motioning calling me closer to him that's how I see it the next step that I see is in early 1981 I was about 25 I had reached bottom in Calgary and I was driving back to Sudbury. I was just a shell of a man at that time, 25 at that age, maybe a boy, really. I was totally beaten by life. I was seriously depressed, and I had absolutely no hope. I got to Ontario, and a snowstorm developed. By the time I got to Wawa, the highway was, was closed. The OPP had heavy machinery on the road. 
and would, lot, would not let anyone out of Wawa on either side of the highway, east or west. So they guided everyone to this hotel, and we were stuck in Wawa until the highway could be reopened. Now, because of the number of people stranded, the hotel rooms had to be doubly occupied. So I went to the room that was assigned to me, which was already occupied by a man and his son. I must have looked awful, because the minute I walked in the room, the man looked at me and said, Jesus loves you. <laughs> Those words hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> and I became very emotional. I'm telling you, I needed that. Now, to a nursery person, those words don't mean, don't mean much. But to a chosen child of God, those are powerful words. In those words, I heard my shepherd's voice. I really did. Listen to what the scriptures say. This is Jesus talking. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Well, in those three little words, I heard my shepherd's voice, loud and clear, and they couldn't have come at a better time. My shepherd was calling me, and I heard him. That was the beginning of God's pull, to bring me back to himself. Jesus was in the boat, motioning me in. I was tired. I had no strength to move towards the boat. I wanted to. I wanted to be in there, but I couldn't do it on my own. So I returned to my pagan existence, but Jesus didn't give up on me. I kept hearing his voice. Then a guy named Christian came into my life. I'm sure Jesus sent him. He invited me to some Bible studies he was having at his home. My shepherd was calling me again. I heard his voice, and I followed him. I studied with Christian for a while, but it soon ended, and I can't remember what happened there. But I was getting closer to the boat. <laughs> That's all that mattered. So I then started reading free religious magazines, like The Plain Truth, Herbert W. Armstrong. Maybe some of you are familiar with that, um, that publication. Remember, I, I grew up as a Catholic. And the teaching in the Catholic Church is that all the other churches are not the right churches. I didn't know where to go. I didn't want to be Catholic. I can't remember why, but I didn't want to be Catholic. So I studied all the religions I could find information on. Where was God? I was looking for him. In what church? I studied with the Jehovah's Witnesses. I studied with the Seventh-day Adventists. I studied them all. I even attended some of their meetings. I was really confused but I was able to reject them all. They just didn't feel right. Then, this is a little comical, then I thought, of course, what's wrong with me? Jesus was a Jew. <laughs> That's it. Why didn't I think of that before? So I went to a synagogue. <laughs> On a Saturday, elated that I had finally found the truth. I was excited. They wouldn't let me in. <laughs> No, they wouldn't let me in. So 
So I went home dejected and depressed again. During this time, I was still drinking some and hanging out with my depraved buddies. You know, as depraved as they were, I loved them. And I still do today. They're all dead now. You know, their habits took them down. But I was slowly drifting apart from them. The struggle was difficult. It was a, a, a really hard... I, I wouldn't, you wouldn't think that it would be that hard, but it was very hard for me for some reason. God buddies. God buddies. God buddies. When I finally made the break, I found myself alone and very lonely. No family, no friends, no church, no direction. I had finally hit bottom. I broke down. I fell in a heap on a cement floor. I remember it so well. And I cried like a baby. I couldn't take it anymore. God had totally destroyed my sense of self. I was left with two choices. Death or total submission to God. I didn't have the strength or the ability to go on. So I told God to take me. I can't do it on my own, Lord, I told him. I need you to take over my life. Then and there, I made a commitment to God. Not just an acknowledgement of him, but a total, serious commitment to him. To him taking over my life in every respect. That was in 1987, and I died to myself that day. And I gave my life to God. A worthless life, but it's all I had. I went home. Purchased a Bible on cassettes. And I started reading my Bible along with it. Each side of the cassette was 45 minutes. I read 45 minutes in the morning. I read 45 minutes every evening. Until I had the whole Bible read. I then concentrated on the Gospels in the book of Acts. And I noticed something. Everyone in there who made a commitment to God got baptized. Okay? I wanted to know, I wanted God to know that I was serious about my commitment. So I started to seek someone who would baptize me. I went to this church, I went to that church, I even came to Berean one time. Nobody would baptize me. They all told me I had to attend for a while, take a course, blah, blah, blah. Okay? I didn't like those answers. <laughs> I wanted to be baptized. Okay? I thought to myself, nobody took a course in the Bible. <laughs> they just went to John and he baptized them. Right? That's what I was looking for. So I went home, grabbed the phone book, and started calling churches. I said to myself, the first one willing to baptize me is where I will attend. That was in July of 1987. I was 32. It was on a Saturday afternoon around 2 o'clock. I remembered very well. I called here, I called there, and finally, a man at the Church of Christ in Calgary said, Yep, come on over in about an hour and I'll baptize you. Now, the Church of Christ, for those who are not familiar with 
it is very similar to the Baptist church. The only difference, all the essentials, they believe in all the essentials, the only difference is that there, there's a little bit of legalism in there where they say that you need to be baptized to be saved. That salvation doesn't happen unless you're baptized. So that, that's basically, there's a few other little differences, but that's the big one, okay? But they believe in all the essentials, okay? So I went there that day, and I was baptized. And I came out of the water. I was all wet. And my mind drifted back to when I was treading water in that dark, deep ocean. All of a sudden, I can feel the arms of Jesus lifting me out of the ocean. I was wet, soaking wet, and that's all I was thinking of. Jesus, he's putting me in the boat. And finally, finally I was in a very, very emotional moment. I was finally, after 32 years, I was finally in the boat. That's how I felt. That's how I felt. From then on, I've had a firm foundation to stand on. I didn't have a firm foundation when I was treading water. But now I do. That's what Jesus is to me. And probably to you too. He's a firm foundation. Let me tell you a little story that might help you to understand what a firm, firm foundation means to me. Back in the 80s, I was in uh, uh, northern BC in the Caribou area around Wells, Canals, Gold Country, okay? I was there with a bunch of people and uh, we were prospecting for gold. We reasoned that gold is a heavy metal and it works its way down till it hits bedrock. So if we dig enough holes and we reach bedrock, we'll eventually find, find a, a football-sized nugget of gold, right? That's what our reasoning was. So we were digging holes. <laughs> we were digging holes. Okay, one night around midnight, okay, it was dark, there was a full moon, and I couldn't sleep. I said, well, you know what, I'm just going to go to the dig site which was about a mile away, and I'm going to work for a while. So I'm walking on my trail, a good trail, and I'm alone, and I've got a, a gun, a 22 semi-automatic. Okay. I decided to take a little shortcut. So I'm walking in the, on the shortcut, and I started sinking into the snow. And the snow was up here, and I started struggling. And I thought to myself, why did I do this? <laughs> you know, and I'm struggling. Then all of a sudden, I hear a wolf howl. I'm looking around, I see the full moon. And up on the hill, I see a wolf. Okay? He's up on the hill, and there's a forest in between us, and I'm in this clearing. Maybe half a mile, three quarters of a mile, I don't know how deep the woods were, but he's up there. And I see him, and I'm looking at him, and I'm in the snow up to here. And then all of a sudden, poof, 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 a whole bunch of wolves pop up on top of the hill. I'm starting to freak out now, <laughs> right? And they're howling, and I'm stuck in the snow, <laughs> right? I said, those guys are going to think I'm some kind of animal, and they're going to come after me, right? That's what I'm thinking. 
Then all of a sudden, the lead wolf starts coming down the hill. And they all start following him, single file. And they're looking at me. <laughs> I know they're looking at me. And they're coming for me, and I know it. I know it. And I'm freaking out. I'm scared. I turn around. I says, I've got to hit the trail, a firm foundation. I says, I've got a gun. I know I'll never reach uh, the campsite, but if I can reach the trail, at least I've got a fighting chance. Okay? So I'm struggling through the snow, and I'm thinking, I can't make it. I threw my hands in the air. Lord, save me! Because I was thinking of Peter when he was sinking in the water. When he jumped out of the boat, that's what he said. Lord, save me! And I struggled and I struggled. And I got on the firm foundation and then I was ready. But the wolves didn't come out. I walked back to the campsite. Then there were the coyotes a little while later, I was out with my buddies. This was daytime this time. And we were walking again on a trail. And I was kind of floating, taking my time, dilly-dallying. And my buddies got away from me. So here I am again. I find myself alone in a clearing by myself, okay? I'm walking like this, and I'm not really paying attention. And then I see a flash in the side of my eye. I look back. There's two coyotes coming down a hill really fast, right? And they get to me, and I'm thinking, and it happened so fast, I didn't have time to, to react. And they started circling me like that. And I, again, I started freaking out. Oh, what are they going to do? You know? What could I do? I couldn't do anything. I couldn't shoot them. They were going too fast. Again, Lord, save me. <laughs> Coyotes kept running like this, and then poof, they took off on top of the hill again. Right? Oh, I, I hightailed it back to my buddies. But that's what a firm foundation is. Jesus Christ, you know? He's our firm foundation. He's solid ground for us to fight the enemies. He's, a, he's somebody that we can call out to when we're in trouble. That's Jesus, okay? Without Jesus, we're all walking on quicksand, right? I eventually moved back to Sudbury, and I attended the Church of Christ on Bancroft Drive for about 27 years, except for a period of time, maybe about four to five years, where I attended the Calvary Baptist Church on Ontario Street, where Floyd was pastoring. Between these two churches, I received much valuable scriptural teaching and instruction. Thank you, Floyd. You helped me quite a bit a few times. I've asked you some serious questions, and you've given me some good answers. The Church of Christ uh, eventually petered out. There's not much left of it today. And Floyd retired from the Baptist Church on Ontario Street, and now I'm at Berean, and I'm home. Okay, let me finish on this note. Remember what I told you earlier about that still, small voice? Well, today, 
after more than 68 years, when I'm alone and I'm standing very still and I'm listening very hard, I can hear it. I can still hear it. So when you're alone, stand very still. Listen very hard. You might hear it too. 